All right, so last week we discussed the Brachav Modim. We looked at the early sources of the text of Modim, the expansions of Modim. We looked at the, briefly, we looked a little bit at the theology of Modim. And we also shortly looked at Modim Drabanan. We looked at the, uh, the text and where that comes from in the Modim Drabanan. This week, although I would usually love to continue with the next bracha, which is Sim Shalom, what we are forced to do is to continue with Birkat Kohanim. First of all, because in the order of the Sfaradi Sidurim, that's what comes next, especially in, in the Chazara. Second of all, because for reasons that will become apparent, Sim Shalom is a continuation of Birkat Kohanim, and that's exactly why it begins with the word Sim Shalom, because it follows after the bracha Birkat Kohanim, and after the Kohanim say V'yaseim Lacha Shalom, we continue Sim Shalom. Sim Shalom was even called in the time of the, of the Mishnah, it was called Birkat Kohanim. Later, the name was changed to Sim Shalom. But for that reason, uh, because it was such an essential and is such an essential part of the Sidur, we're going to take a break from the regular brachot of Shemona Esrei, and we'll speak about Birkat Kohanim. Now, the topic in itself is very, very broad. Uh, it's almost like when we gave a shiur on Birkat Torah. It's, it's uh, even if we were to cherry pick, you still have to basically go to the cherry field. And there's a lot of, lot of different halachot, a lot of different data that we would have to look at in order to get a full grip on Birkat Kohanim. And that's frankly not going to be 100% possible, but Bezat Hashem will try to get the liturgical side of Birkat Kohanim and how it ended up in the Sidur, what the history of the different texts are, and maybe some uh, the, of the basic ideas. Okay, so the source of the psukim of the psukim themselves is fairly obvious, so that's the easiest part. We don't have to hunt down the text. We don't have to hunt down the text of the uh, of the words of the bracha itself, because the words are Yivarecha Hashem Yishmerecha, we all know them from the Psukim in Parashat Naso, Perek Vav, starting on Pasuk Chafbet. And interestingly, those words, sorry, I have a little participant here. Shalom, I'm sorry, we, you can't, I can't pick you up now. So, the, the words themselves uh, in Birkat Kohanim are actually the oldest uh, artifacts. The, old, the oldest text that we have in the uh, Torah, archaeologically, is Birkat Kohanim. It's called the Silver Scrolls. They were found in a in a cave in um, recently, like 20 years ago. I don't remember the name of the of the, of, of the place, but those those are that's probably the oldest. It, they are probably the oldest words in the Torah that we actually have a real uh, piece of a Sefer Torah from. Now, or it could have been a Kamea. It's not clear what those silver scrolls were. But at the end of the day, we don't have to hunt down the Nusach of the Bracha itself because the Torah tells us what the Bracha is. According to the Gemara and Sota, on if a person, if a Kohen does not say Birkat uh, Kohanim, it's like he's over on three mitzvot say. The Rambam says it doesn't mean exactly that three mitzvot say, but it's one I say as if it were three, and why? The Gemara says, let me just quote the Lashon. 
says, Kol Ha, where are we? Kol Kohen Shemivare, Kol Kohen Sheeno Ole Leduchan, Over Bishlosha Se, Kotvarahu, Amor Lahem, and Bishamuat Shemi. The three positive commandments, or things that sound like positive commandments, in the, the Psukim over there in Naso. So we see that it's a mitzvah say. So this is going to give us a little bit of trouble later to figure out exactly how, bro- how concrete this mitzvah is and if we're required to do it definitely every day. So now, before we begin the, the ideas of the, of the history, it's worth it to spend a, a moment to understand the basics of this bracha. So the basics of Yerkat Konim is that there are, the idea, at least in Jewish theology, is that there's different... Uh, levels of transmission when it comes to bracha into our world, when Hashem wants to bestow energy or, or plenty or benevolence into our world, it goes through different stages. Uh, we call them metaphorically pipes. And those different levels are transmitted through different uh, people in the nation. So the Kohanims play a very especially important role in the transmission of bracha from Hashem to us. Therefore, the Kohanim and the Torah emphasizes that the Kohanim do not bless B'nai Israel. The Kohanim are not the ones blessing. When they say the bracha, they say, Hashem, Hashem should bless you. Hashem should, light, should uh, uh, show the radiance of his face to you and show you grace. The Kohanim are emphasizing, and the Torah tells them to emphasize, that the bracha is coming from Hashem and not from them, because the bracha can only uh, come from Hashem, but they are the conduits to allow that to happen. The Zohar uses a language of istakem, uh, meaning to, to be maskim, to agree or to concur. And in his view, the Kohanim are saying a blessing to B'nai Israel, and what happens is that from their blessing, Hashem agrees to the blessing. Now, the Zohar also says, interestingly, there's a long Zohar in this, in, in Parashat Naso. He says that the, because the, the Kohanim are just a conduit to their brethren, when they do Birkat Kohanim, the Bracha has to be out of love. If a Kohen doesn't love the people in the Kahal, and he does Birkat Kohanim, it can cause a lot of destruction. The Zohar relates a story of a Kohen who got up and did it with a, with a, with a heart full of, uh, I guess, hatred. And the language is he turned into a Gal Shalat or he perished. So it's a very serious thing that, uh, that Kohanim transmit Bracha to us in, uh, in Klai Yisrael. But they're, they're basically a level of the Kiddushah and how it comes to, and how it comes to us. There are many, many Kabbalistic ideas in Birkat Kohanim. Even uh, in the Ashkenaz Sidurim, there's plenty of, uh, at least in Yom Tov, there's many different stanzas with the Shem Hashem, which they're supposed to meditate on. There's sh- different Shemot Hashem, which are intrinsic in, in every single sentence and in the combination of the letters. Kot Barachu is especially important with the Chafhei. The Gemara goes over and over different things we learn out of the word Ko. And there's a midrash which says actually, I forgot to, to, to write this down, but there's a, there's a midrash in Naso, in Tanhuma, which says that the 60 letters of uh, Birkat Kohanim are also especially important. I think we mentioned this way back, one of the, when we mentioned uh, Birkat Torah, 
that after it we say Birkat Kohanim, but there's 60 letters in this bracha, and those represent, the Zohar says it represents the 60, uh, the Shishim Ribo, the, the 60, 600,000 Jews, the 60 letters have a correlation to the 600,000 Jews, but the Midrash, the Midrash actually says that the Pasuk of Hinei Mitato Shalishlamo, Shishim Gvorim Saviv Lami Yisrael, is referring to the 60 letters in Birkat Kohanim, and the Mitato Shel Shlomo, the Mitav Shlomo, is actually the, the uh, Beit HaMikdash, the Mitav, the place which holds the Shekhinah Shehu Shalom. So there's a lot of Midrashim about how much Hashem wants to give Bracha to, to, to Klai Yisrael, how much He wants to, um, how much that that Bracha is important for Him to give. He's Mitaveh, the Gemara says, He desires to give us Bracha, and therefore, Birkat Kohanim has always had a very important place in Chazal. Chazal consider it to be extremely important. We're going to see different examples of how important they think it is. Um, you could, if one is more interested, there's an entire sugya in the Gemara and Sota from Daflamid Chet, Amid Aleph, all the way to Amid Tetamud Bet, I believe, which discusses all the halachot. And there's also Gemara in Brachot. There's a Gemara in, I think, it's escaping me, Tanit. There's a few. And so, anyone who's interested in a full diagnose, a full, uh, a, a full uh, approach to Birkat Kohanim should definitely see that entire Gemara. It's very beautiful in the Midrashim and Naso, uh, especially Tankuma Chet and Tet. Okay, so now why was it placed after Modim? Let's just discuss placement. Why is it there? So the Gemara in Megillah discusses why it was put there, and it brings a pasuk, and I think this pasuk makes it cl- abundantly clear. Uh, pretty obvious that we learn it from Aharon. So there's a pasuk that says, uh, here we are, uh, that, that Aharon HaKohen lifted his hands on the nation and he blessed them and then he went down from the mountain from doing the Chatat and the Ola and the Shlamim. So the Gemara in Megillah learns, uh, the Gemara that we've been mentioning many times and Daf Yudchet, it learns that after Aharon did the Avodah, after he did the Avodah on the mountain, then he left and went down the mountain, and he did, and he did Birkat Kohanim. So says the Gemara, wait a second, so after Avodah, so if it's after Avodah, why don't you do it after it's safe? So the Gemara discusses that and then ultimately comes out that toda, that Hoda'ah and Avodah are one thing, that Avodah is, a, is part and parcel of gratitude, of thanksgiving, and therefore, the Misorah would be to say, to follow the lead of, of Aharon HaKohen, and we do a Birkat Kohanim after the section of Avodah and Hoda'ah. And as we've, as, as, and as we've mentioned, um, that the, in the regular, uh, the Ashkenazim, say by Mincha and Arvit, Shalom Rav, but in general, the Sfaradim, and for all its fields, we say Sim Shalom, and this follows, uh, that uh, the, the receptacle, we'll discuss this more next week, following, the Gemara says, following the, the, uh, the Bracha, the Birkat Kohanim, the placement over there, is that we, we then take a receptacle for the Bracha, which we got from Birkat Kohanim, which is, which is, which is Shalom, and that's why the Ashkenazim will only say Sim Shalom in the morning, but Shalom Rav, later because it's not a seam, it's not a seema. Okay, so we'll, we'll leave a little bit more about Sim Shalom for next week. Now regarding the name, 
the poskim call Birkat Kwanim Nesiyat Kapayim, that they lift the hands. This comes from Bisar Aronat Yadav, that he raised his hands. Uh, the Ashkenazim will call it Duchenen because it comes from the Olala Duchan, as the comes from the from the Gemara. A Duchan can mean a number of things. It can mean a porch, it can mean a portico, it can mean a platform, depending on different Mishnayot use it differently. Uh, but apparently by the time of the Amoraim, it probably meant a platform in the shul. So we call that Aliyala Duchan. Svaradim, simply, I think today we call it Birkat Kwanim. I haven't heard anybody call it Duchening. I don't, I don't think. All right, so now, what's the history of Birkat Kwanim? The Rambam brings, and so does the Mishnah, obviously the Rambam paraphrases the Mishnah, that there's, that in the Beit HaMikdash, the, the Gemara and Tamid describes this, they used to, the, the Kwanim used to rise onto a platform, and they would say the Birkat Kwanim, and it doesn't say when exactly they would say it. It is not clear from the Mishnayot that the that the in the Beit Hamikdash Birkat Kohanim was tied to Tefillah at all. It might have been said multiple times a day, but it's not clear that Birkat Kohanim was tied to a specific Tefillah. Maybe a specific time after a certain korban, but it doesn't seem that in the Beit Hamikdash Birkat Kohanim was tied to a certain tefillah, or that it was tied to tefillah at all. It was just a mitzvah say, and when there was a kohen there, and he had Jewish uh, a quorum of ten Jewish people, he'd say the bracha, or he would just begin spontaneously, Now, the Mishnah in Sota, in Parag Zayin, describes how it was done differently, and so does the Mishnah in... Uh, no, I think this is only the Mishnah. There's, two, there's a few Mishnah out there in Sota. It says that they would do it with the real Shem Hashem, right? That was how it was done the bit in, in the in the Beit Hamikdash. The, the Kohanim would not use Aleph Dal and Nun Yud. They would say Yud and Hey and Vav and Hey. It's, it describes that they would put their hands higher than their head, while uh, in outside of uh, basically, if you're not doing it in the Beit Hamikdash, you could only do it as high as the shoulders. It says that there was they would do it all. They would say Amen after all three. In other words, they say Brach Hashem Yisrach and then at the end of all the Pesukim. The Kahal would answer Amen. But outside of the Bit Mikdash, people would say Amen after each one of the three verses. So this is clear already from the Mishnah, but when the Mishnah is describing the difference between the uh, how Nasiat Kapayim is done in the Bit Mikdash and how it's or in Ari Yisrael and how it's done outside of the Bit Mikdash, it's clear already that the Mishnah assumes that in the time of the end of the second uh Bet Mikdash that there was already a practice to do Birkat Kohanim in Batei Knesiyot. So it's clear that the Mishnah was aware of such a practice and that in the time of the second Beit HaMikdash already people were doing Birkat Kohanim in Batei Knesiyot and it was a part, somehow, a part of Tefillah. Um, this is also Beferiosh Mishnah in Brachot, Mishnah Brachot Hey Dalid also uh, clearly uh, says that Birkat Kohanim is part of the Chazara. So, and if you look in the Sotad, there's many different Amoraim who say, like Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, you say that you have, to, you have to wash your hands before you do Birkat Kohanim, just like they, in the Beit HaMikdash, they would have already washed their hands. But in, but in the Beit HaKnesset, where it's not the Beit HaMikdash, so you have to wash your hands before, you can't wear shoes. In the Beit HaMikdash, they wouldn't have been wearing shoes, but the, the, one of the Amoraim says that, that uh, by Birkat Kohanim and Ashul, also take off your shoes. One of the Amoraim uh, also introduces a bracha, 
a whole system for how to do it outside of the Beit HaMikdash. Now, one second here. So it's a bit of a mystery historically how the how the Birkat Kwanim ended up in the Chazara, in the Chazara Tashat. So it's not clear why they chose to put it there. If you look in the um, in the Marami Rotenberg, he has a Teshuvah. He says, and this is already one of not not one of the later Rishonim, one of, you know, fairly not not the latest, but one of the one of the one of one of the middle one of the regular Rishonim. He says he isn't sure when this happened. He's not. He had no Misorah. He had no idea when it happened that Berkat Kohanim was introduced as part of the Tefillah. And he brings different proofs that that if you look, the Shmona Esrei was never written with Berkat Kohanim included as one of the Barachot. Berkat Kohanim is not one of the Barachot of the Shmona Esrei. It was clearly added later into the Chazara, and he doesn't know how. So now there are other Tefillot which we say along with it um, in the Chazara, which we know where they come from, and we know when they, about when they were written. And we, the, the assumption of many of the uh, Rishonim or many of the researchers is that it was placed into the Chazara sometime during the, the lifetime of Rabbi Gamliel. Rabbi Gamliel instituted the, reinstituted the Shmon Esrei and apparently uh, in his time it was, it was instituted to do Chazara Tashatz. So most assume that it was sometime around the area of around, around the time of Gamliel Hazaken or his grandson, that that or Gamliel Diavne, that Birkat Kohanim was placed in Chazarat Hashatz. So there are other Tefilot which we also say the, the sorry that the Kohanim specifically say. So the Kohanim say uh, it's this is the let me just read it from the Sidur when the Kohanim are going up. This is literally a Gemara Sota which says these very words. So the, the, the Nusach is basically identical across all Minhagim. When the Kohanim go up, they say, And there shouldn't be, uh, should be complete without any obstacles from sin from now or forever. The idea is that a Kohen which isn't worthy, a Kohen which has any Averot, he would not be worthy to properly uh, give Birkat Kohanim. There's, now, in general, we don't say that a Kohen who does Averot is not allowed to do Birkat Kohanim. There's one exception. The exception is that Rabbi Yochanan says that a Kohen who killed somebody is not allowed to do Birkat Kohanim. A Kohen who is a Rotzeach, he killed somebody. Now, exactly what that means, even if he did it by Shogeg, the post say, even if he killed somebody by accident, he's still not allowed to do Birkat Kohanim. Um, it's a mystery as to if this applies to a Chose B'Tshuvah, or does this also apply to, to a Jew who had to kill a Goy, if, especially if it was in self-defense, if this also applies. Some Achronim believe that even if you killed a Goy, let's say you were in the IDF and you had to kill somebody, that uh, some believe that this would also disqualify you from Birkat Kohanim, and some Dachonim believe that if you kill a Goy, you're still qualified for doing Birkat Kohanim. Uh, let me just read the language of the other thing that when the, when the, when the Kohanim come down, they say, This is from the Gemara. We've done what you have decreed upon us to do. Do what you have promised. Uh, gaze down from your holy dwelling in Shemayim. And bless uh, the Jewish nation. So there is one part which does not actually appear in the Gemara, 
And that is the part which the Sfaradim say when, or the Ashkenazim also say it, sorry, every day, when there is no, uh, when there are no Kohanim in the shul. So the Kohanim, the, the language is as follows. Bless us with a bracha which is said three times in your Torah, which is written by Moshe, which is said in the mouth of Aaron and his sons, the Kohanim, the Kohanim, your holy, your holy nation. So the variations in this, in the Nuschaot here, are basically none besides Kohanim or Kohane. Some of the Rishonim didn't really understand this implication to say that the, Kohan, the Kohanim are their own holy nation. Some said, yeah, no, the Kohanim are called Am Kedoshecha. But in general, this Nusach has remained, has remained static for the past 11, 1200 years. The first time it appears is in the Sidur of Amram, as far as I, as far as I know. And the, the, uh, the, the fact that so many of the versions are identical is an excellent uh, si uh, sign that it's genuinely antique and that this generally written it's very uh, a very uh, genuine original nusach and everyone has the correct nusach some people question the grammar here how could you say uh, you should say I believe basically the grammar here isn't perfect but the uh, all the Rishonim assume that even though yeah the grammar doesn't seem to make sense but we should just follow the wisdom of the Chachamim because this is what they call and even though it seems a little out of order, this is the way we say it. So if you've ever noticed that the grammar here, the syntax doesn't, doesn't actually sound correct, you're on, you're on the right track. Okay, so now there's another, one last element, and Ashkenazim will be most familiar with this because the Sfaradim barely ever say this, is the element of Hatavat Chalamot. So... This is a Gemara not in Sotah, but a Gemara in Brachot, Daf Nun The Gemara says, uh, you know what, let me pull it up just for the language, because well, everyone has the same language. Uh, it just comes straight from, from the Gemara. I could, guess I could share the screen here. Nun Amudbet. Let me share my screen. Okay. I think we're sharing here. Here we go. Says the Gemara, Patachad Minayu, over here. Ve'amar, one of the Amoraims got up and he said, a Chidush, Hayman dechazach halma veloyada mechaza. A person who saw a dream and he didn't know what the dream meant. Lekum kamei kahani, he should stand before kohanim. Who, while they are they are being nosekapayim, this is just the Aramaic words for nosekapayim, and he should say the following uh, prayer. I am yours and my dreams are yours. I dreamed, I dreamt a dream, and I don't know what it is. Uh, whether I dreamt it for myself or others dreamt it about me, it goes on and on that that there should be a refua, so to speak, for the dream. Um, and then it ends, it uh, gives different examples from Elisha. So too you should revert all of my dreams, tova, uh, and they should have a good interpretation. So the, the Maharsha here points out that... Uh, that it says if you don't know what the dream was, not if you do know. 
So it sounds like, says the Marsha, that if you do know that the dream was a bad dream, then you should do a regular thing called Hatavat Chalamot, which is the Gemara above over there, described to be when you get in front of three men and you do Hatavat Chalom, and they, so to speak, uh, annul your Chalom in, in its bad interpretation and they make a good interpretation. Now, what is the connection between Hatavat Chalom and Birkat Kohanim? It's not clear. The, the, the Poskim say that the idea here is that the amen of that we say after Bekat Kohanim should also be said as an amen to the uh, to this Ribbono Shalalam, to this tefillah about your bad dreams. So that's how it works. So the the Kohanim say Bekat Kohanim, the Kahal answers Amen, and because they're saying Amen, the Amen should also fall on your Ribbono Shalalam, on, on your tefillah. But why exactly does Bekat Kohanim have any special effect on Chalamot or on negative dreams? So there is, I did not find a shred of evidence to, to find the linkage here. The only, the only thing I found was, of course, the Midrash, which I mentioned previously, which was, that the, the Midrash mentions that this is a, that these 60 letters can have the power to surround the bed and protect a person from, from a bad halom. But it doesn't, there's no other uh, linkage that I could find. I, I don't even think I saw it in the Tsar at all to, to why in particular, Berkat Kohanim has this power to do a hatava or a betterment of a chalom. Okay. Um, where are we here? So, another thing, just I want to mention, because I brought the Maharami Rotenberg, Maharami Rotenberg has a teshuvah on Berkat Kohanim. Another prat he mentions is that saying, if the Shliach Sibor himself would announce Kohanim, right? So the Pasuk says, Emor Lahem, you should say to them. So we, we learn from the Pasuk by, um, in, in, in Naso, that Emor Lahem means you should say to them, means that we should first call to the Kohanim, and if we call to them first, then they have a chiyuv to say, uh, Birkat Kohanim. So this, this is why there's a minhag in the shul to say kohanim, right? We, should, we, we call out to them and we invite them or we do like, a, not a zimun, but we, do, we, we, we call out to them and we instruct them to begin kohanim, uh, the, the bracha of kohanim. So the maharam says he doesn't like the minhag to, for the shliach tibor himself to say kohanim because that's a hefsek. He's in middle of, uh, what's the word? He is in middle of chazarat uh, hashatz. So he says what you should do is you should say kohanim out loud and then am kedoshecha quietly. Meaning that in the tefillah of Elokeinu v'lekevotenu, say the words Kohanim out loud and then quietly say Am Kedoshecha so that, so that you will be using one of the words from the tefillah, which sounds like that in the time of the Marahami Rotenberg, they would say Elokeinu v'lekevotenu even if the Kohanim were actually going to be blessing. And that Elokeinu v'lekevotenu is not just a, a, a tefillah which you say if the kohanim are not there, right? Today the minhag is that if there are no kohanim, you say Elokeinu v'kevotenu. It sounds like, and it's funny, that in his time, there, and I don't know this for certain, but it sounds like in his time, even if there were kohanim, you would say kohanim out loud. Rabbi Tam also is quoted by the Rishonim as, as finding issue with this problem of doing a hefsek. So Rabbi Tam says the chazan himself should not do it. It should be the gabai or somebody else in the Beit HaKnesset who should be instructed with this job you should be tasked with this job of saying, saying Kohanim out loud. Okay, so that's most of, of the history of this uh, problem of where, where and when, you know, why, why Kohanim became part of, uh, Birkat Kohanim came, became 
part of the tefillah and each different sentence in it where it came from. So the other two sentences that the Kohanim themselves say, those short tefillot come from the Gemara, that comes from the Seder of Amram. Uh, the bracha also comes from the Gemara. And the bracha, I should mention, the language uh, is be'ahava, and most in most uh, most uh, minhagim have the same have it the same way. There were some earlier versions which skipped out some of the words, but we say Some versions didn't have a kedushato big kedushato shel aharon, but uh, I think it was say the Ramam didn't actually have it. But the accepted nusach today is to say kedushato shel aharon. Now, how about? what's most perplexing about Berkat Kwanim. Why is it that the Sfaradim say it every day and the Ashkenazim do not? The Ashkenazim reserve to only say it on uh, Musaf of Yom Tov. So the Rishonim take for granted, at least the, the, you have it in the Chinuch, the Rashba, the Rash, the Tor, the Rambam, uh, many and most of the Rishonim take for granted that the Chiyuv of Berkat Kwanim is one second just have to mute some something right so most most um, of the Kohanim most sorry most of the Rishonim take for granted that Birkat Kohanim is a chiyuv to be said daily and there's not much if any that I could find discussion in the early Rishonim about whether or not we say Birkat Kohanim every day it always seemed to be something you take for granted it's a mitzvah asay and because it's a mitzvah to say, it's clearly in the Torah, we should do it every day. For example, whenever we have a stam mitzvah to say, our assumption is that you do it once a day. And a good example of this, probably the best example, is tefillin. Most of the poskim assume that tefillin is a mitzvah which we have to do at least once a day if it's a mitzvah to say, and there's no other uh, stipulation for how it should work, then our chiyu should be to do it every day. With other mitzvot, like let's say uh, tzitzit, with tzitzit, if you don't put on, if you don't put on a four-cornered cornered beged, you're not chayav in tzitzit. Uh, if you aren't approached by an ani, you don't have to do tzedakah. Even though it's a mitzvot say, but it's possible to wiggle yourself out of it and say, no, it's not really a mitzvah, you know, every day, but but uh, it's only a mitzvah connected to one of these stipulations. However, Bikat Kwanim doesn't seem to have that exit. It doesn't seem to have that loophole. So what exactly happened? The Minchat Chinuch actually compares it to Tefillin. He says the Chinuch understands it that way, which is just that it's, it's very Pashut. It's a daily, daily Misvat say, and he doesn't, you know, there's no, there's no easy exit from this fact. So the Beit Yosef in Kuf Chavchet, uh, number Memdalid, brings a Teshuvah from... I, I really want to pull this up, so just give me one second, because I realized that I have the uh, I have the tour at home, but I have the wrong volume with me. So forty-three, and that's not going to be easy to find. Okay, <laughs> maybe. Sorry. So, okay, maybe we'll do this outside, even though I would have rather do it inside. Okay, so the Beit Yosef brings a She'elah with, that was brought to the Rashba regarding an unmarried person saying Birkat Kwani. And the Rashba replied that he never heard of such a minhag, that, uh, that an unmarried person should be patur from saying uh, Birkat Kwani. 
And the, if I remember correctly, there was another one of the Rishonim who had a rationalization for it. And what he said was that there, the, we know that in order for a person to give a bracha properly, he has to give it b'simcha. And he brings different proofs from different midrashim, and therefore, if a Kohen, if a, sorry, if a Kohen isn't married, then he's not fully b'simcha, and therefore he shouldn't have to, he shouldn't be uh, eligible to say berkat kohanim. So that's the defense that this person asking in the Rashba brought. The Rashba said he never heard of such a thing. It's not, it's not a good enough reason to be mevatel mitzvah say, and therefore the Rashba did not believe that this was a a good enough excuse, and he never honestly heard of the minhag. The Beit Yosef actually comes out over there that he, at first he says, he says that if it's true that this other Rishon did say it, then we, you know, if a person does it, let's not, let's not protest against the minhag. But then in the Bedek Habayit he says at the end I found out, uh, I saw, I have another source, and he comes out that no, we should, an unmarried person definitely should say Berkat Kohanim. In my lifetime, once I met somebody from Eretz Yisrael who left the room during Berkat Kohanim because his minhag mishpacha, his family minhag, was not to say Berkat Kohanim if he wasn't married. But I only met somebody like that once. I'm sure there are more, but that's just my own uh, personal experience. Now, there is another incident brought in the Beit Yosef, and really I'm going to be searching for it uh, frantically right now, because the, they asked the Maharil why it was that the Ashkenazim don't say it every day. Why is it that if it's a mitzvah to say, why don't the Ashkenazim say it every day? So I believe this is the Agor citing the Maharil, if I have it, if I remember it correctly. So, Bishashem Abitu. Sorry, I'm just trying to find it here. And I'm not having any luck. Okay, sorry. That's what happens when you don't have the right Sfarim with you. So the Maharil answered uh, two reasons, I believe. So they want the Maharil is one of the Ashkenazi Rishonim who is greatly respected by their Amma and many poskim. Uh, he has a Sefer Minhagim of Minhageha Maharil. And they asked Maharil, why, why don't, don't Ashkenazim say the Birkat Kohanim every day? So he responded with two, two uh, suggestions. Number one is that the Minhag used to be that the Kohanim had a Chumrah that before they did Birkat Kohanim, they would do Tevilah to make sure they weren't Balekeri and Stam just because it's a nice Chumrah. And he said perhaps because the Tevilah became so bothersome and it became so much prep work, that they stopped doing the tevilah, and because they stopped doing the tevilah, tevilah they stopped doing nesiat kapayim. Another suggestion he gives is because uh, work, you know, people had to get to work, and it became a bother. So because they, you know, they had to get to work, they they, they stopped saying it uh, during the tevilah. A, mo- a more realistic look at this, meaning not a more realistic, but a more pragmatic approach might be that yes, it was busy. But more likely, also, there weren't many Kohanim in many towns in Ashkenaz, in Germany at the time. And therefore, a mixture of not always having Kohanim and also people being in a rush caused them to never uh, say Birkat Kohanim. So Mariel says, how about being Mevatel and Mitzvah He said, well, I got a loophole. If you don't say, if you don't shout out Kohanim, that you don't have Amor Lahem, then you're not Mevatel Mitzvah So just don't say Kohanim and, the, and you won't be Chayav in Birkat Kohanim. So... The Rama over there says, "Oh, the Linira, To me, it seems that the original reason of Simcha also applies. Perhaps, besides the fact that people were so were so busy with work, that 
you uh, people are so busy all year with work and people have so many uh, stresses that people can never truly be b'simcha. And uh, again, you have to be b'simcha to say a bracha, to, to bless other people. Therefore, they chose that only on Yom Tov when you have... Uh, only on Yom Tov when you have real Simcha and only on Musaf of Yom Tov when you're really feeling the Simcha that's when you should say Berkat Kohani so the Beit Yosef raises an eyebrow here and he says none of these reasons are satisfactory if you look at all of these reasons they boils down to laziness uh, loophole and uh, basically a mistake the fact that there, you, people weren't doing the Chumrah weren't doing the Minhag not being Tovel doesn't mean that they shouldn't be doing Berkat Kohanim. Yes, you might be a Valkyrie. It doesn't mean you're, it's a sore for you to do Berkat Kohanim. Even if you didn't do Tevilah, you would still have a chiyuv of doing Berkat Kohanim. So the Beit Yosef doesn't understand, as well as many poskim, have no understanding as to, first of all, how the Ashkenazim stopped doing this, why they stopped doing it, and what kind of halachic excuse they have for not doing it. So it's also a little bit strange that scheme like hardened legalists like the Rama and like the Maharil would be so uh, casual about being the Vatel Mitzvata say it's 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 very very perplexing how this happened or why this happened I don't I never saw any direct evidence in the Sidurim of the Sidurim of the Ashkenazim which set which seemed to explicitly say that they didn't do Berkat Kohanim every day so how this ended might not there might not be any good answer for why the Ashkenazim stopped saying Berkat Kohanim every day. So now, regular Ashkenazim can get very sensitive about this because <laughs> it's our minig, you know, like, we, there's, I'm sure there's a reason. <laughs> the problem is that, you know, we listen to Moshe Rabbeinu, and if Moshe Rabbeinu told us that we have to do Berkat Kohanim, a minhag doesn't really trump halacha. So it's really, really perplexing what the story is here. So now, historically, I'm not the first person to be very upset by this. There's, you have the uh, the later poskim nachronim, the Balatanya, uh, the Arucha Shulchan, the Gra. All of them were strong advocates of returning Birkat Kohanim to the Tefillah in the daily prayers of the Ashkenazim. So now someone might tell me, no, only in Eretz Yisrael. The the only you know like. Ashkenazim, yeah, we do do it every day, but we only do it if we're in Eretz Yisrael. That's when we do it every day. So now that's a big mistake because the the reason Ashkenazim do it every day in Eretz Yisrael is because of a historical quirk, not because that's the actual minhag of the Ashkenazim. So what happened? What happened was was that this is a longer story. If anybody's interested in the whole long story, in the Pesket Teshuvot on page 49 on the bottom, they have a, a whole thing about all the different stories that happened here. The Balatanya tried really hard to reinstitute Berkat Kohanim into the Ashkenaz Tefilot, but according to the Lubavitcher Rebbe, he was never successful. And he took it as a gzera from Shemayim that it shouldn't be, that it wouldn't be successful. The Gra himself told, was tried very hard, and one day he told his Talmudim, okay, that's it. Tomorrow in the shul we're beginning Berkat Kohanim. And when that happened, as soon as he said those words, the police barged into his house, and they arrested him on some trumped up, completely dismissible charges, and they took him to prison. Uh, it took a very short amount of time, and the charges were dismissed because they were completely lunacy, and he was released from prison. So the, the Gaon Mivilna decided that most likely that's a Gzera from Shemayim, that I, that I shouldn't uh, continue 
with Birkat uh, Kohanim. I shouldn't uh, try to go down this road and pursue the matter further. His own Talmud, Rechaim of Velazhin, also tried the same thing. And, his Talmud, and he said that when he tried to do it, he said, okay, tomorrow or this and this day, we're going to start Birkat Kohanim every day. Uh, there was a fire in Velazhin, and it wiped out half of the city, including the shul. And he took that, and his notes were burned also, and he took that as a, as a siman not to mess with this and to stop saying, and, and to not try to reinstitute Birkat Kohanim. The Aruch HaShulchan kind of uses, I'm not sure if he's joking, but a, a language where he says, it's almost as if a batkol came out and said that we should stop saying Birkat Kohanim. I have no idea why people have stopped saying Birkat Kohanim. So what happened was, was that the Talmidim of the Gra, led by a certain Rabbi Sakalov, moved, went to Eretz Yisrael after the Gra's death, and they, they opened up shop in Tzfat. Uh, there was a, a lot of the first Ashkenaz settlers in Eretz Yisrael were Talmidim of the Gaon Mivilna. And therefore, because they were free from the bonds of, of, uh, of Vilna, of, of the Lithuanian Minhag, and there was nobody there to tell them boo, also the Sfaradim over there were also saying, uh, were also saying Berkat Kohanim every day. They felt free to begin the, the, the Minhag of the Gaon Mivilna anew, and to follow the Shita of the Gra and to say it every day. So these were pure-bred Ashkenazim who were just being rebels, and they were starting uh, the Minhag to they were re, they were you know reinstituting what should have been done all the time, and they began doing the mitzvah to say every single day. So because the first Ashkenaz settlers to Eretz Yisrael were, I mean, in recent history were were Grunics, as as, as we call them, therefore. The minhag among Ashkenazim in Eretz Yisrael became to say Nesiat uh, Kapayim every single day, but it has nothing to do with quote unquote the original Ashkenaz minhag or the original Yerushalayim minhag. That's that's clear. There's another little historical quirk that in Amsterdam uh, during the whole hysteria with Shabtai Tzvi, there were a lot of minhagim that the congregation over there in Amsterdam decided to enact out of some sort of celebration. It was a tremendous hysteria. And one of the minhagim they said was that we should, we should start doing Berkat Kohanim again, you know, just like as it used to be. It's not, it's not clear who or why somebody in Amsterdam decided that we're going to start doing Berkat Kohanim again, but not every day. They decided they were going to do it every Shabbat. So in honor of the Mashiach who just came, we're going to do Berkat Kohanim every Shabbat. We don't know how that ended, and Shabtai Tzvi was uh, disgraced and um, whatever want to say happened to the rest of his life. However, there were Jews in Amsterdam who continued to do that minhag even after the fiasco with Shabtai Tzvi, and that minhag trickled down to the Portuguese Jews, which till today have a minhag. There are some shuls of Portuguese Jews who have a minhag that only on Shabbat they say Birkat Kohanim, and that actually comes from, from the minhag that occurred during the hysteria of Shabtai Tzvi. And there's really no halakhic reason to say no, so it's never been stopped, and, you know, that's, that's the minhag of the Portuguese Jews. Now, one thing I, I, I failed to bring in is that there's a difference in minhagim between the, the Ashkenazim and the Sfaradim, whether or not we mention after the Kwanim are done, the last, the fourth pasuk. So, the Seder of Amram, or Seder of Sadiagon, the Rambam, and the Rokeach, one of the Hasidei Ashkenaz, all of them explicitly say we should add that, that last verse. The, the Rokeach doesn't, 
actually gives a reason and he says there's a certain amount of letters that it has to add up to. But these Rishonim explicitly say we should say the last verse. Rashi is cited by the Manhig as saying that we should not say this last verse. Um, because in the, in, the, in the Torah, it's addressed to the Kohanim. It's not addressed to B'nai Israel. It's not part of the Bracha. It's a commandment and not a blessing. Interestingly, in the, in the Manhig himself and in the Chiluf Minhagim, they bring that the original Yerushalmi Nusach is that if there were no Kohanim in the shul, they, the, the Chazan would say, but he wouldn't say all three Pesukim because he wasn't, so to speak, allowed to say these Pesukim if he wasn't a Kohen, and therefore he would just say, So the original Yerushalmi Nusach was not to say these three Pesukim without Kohanim, they would just say, which sounds like this was uh, the original Nusach to always include. However, Rashi ruled against it, and therefore the modern Ashkenaz Minhag is not to include uh, at least as far as I know, perhaps I'm wrong, but uh, the, uh, that, that's, that's so much for the, for the Ashkenaz Minhag. There's a few more things that uh, the Ashkenazim, I, I'm not a Baki in every little detail of this because I haven't studied the Ashkenaz uh, Yom Tov Tefillah too deeply, but the Ashkenazim have a whole system. They basically pack it all in. When it comes to Birkat Kohanim, they say every tefillah possible. They do all the pesukim by every word, which the Gemara doesn't seem to actually like. So I have to research why that's actually done. Um, then they they say the whole they, they say the whole Yehirat Zone of for, the whole Rebbeinu Shalom for Chalamot on every uh, on every Yom Tov. I guess everyone gets their dreams taken care of once or twice a year. I don't understand exactly why they do it, but I guess they, they pack it all in because you might, might as well do as many uh, minhagim as you could once you're doing Birkat uh, Konim so rarely. Uh, lastly, I should mention uh, just a few little quirks, is that first of all, the minhag is to say after the chazan if there's no Kohanim. We don't say amen, the poskim say this is very simple because you can't say amen if you're not hearing the piha mevarech. If you're not hearing the actual person doing the blessing, there's no Kohanim here. There's no one doing the blessings. So you can't answer Amen if no one's doing a blessing. So we say Kenyiratzon instead. While if there's Kohanim there themselves, then for every Pasuk we say Amen, as, uh, which is due to the instructions of the Mishnah itself, which tells us to say Amen. Treat it like three different brachot, says the Mishnah. Mishnah says we treat it like three separate brachot. There's a Minhag, which is based on the Buderham, where instead of saying Kenyiratzon, uh, well, <laughs> they add... Uh, I, I remember when I used to daven in a shul called uh, Stretton. There was a Hasidish guy who used to say, and then after the second one, and after after the third the third pasuk, he would say, and I was young and I had no idea what uh, where he got that from or why he was saying it. But it's based on the Abu Durham who says that the first, second, and third bracha, respectively correspond to the three avot and to their tikkunim and the bracha that comes from them. And in the zuchut of them, we receive this bracha. So that's why some people say this, Okay, uh, the halacha is, if you, in case anyone's curious, why don't we say it by, uh, by mincha or by arvit? So the Gemara has a, there's a takanag zera really, that if we would say berkat uh, koanim by mincha, then in their times, people used to eat lunch around noon. They were the main meal of the day. So there's a gzera that people used to also drink wine. They were afraid the kohanim might be intoxicated. So because mincha was usually said after lunchtime, there was a gzera not to do berkat kohanim more than just on shachrit. 
Now this Gzeda did not apply in a fast day when nobody was eating anyway. If nobody's eating anyway, then you might as well say Birkat Kohanim, and for that reason, the Ashkenazim will say Birkat Kohanim on Mincha of a, well, they used to say Birkat Kohanim on Mincha of a fast day, so this is why if you go to, if you hear the Chazarat HaShatz by a, on a Ta'anit, by the Ashkenazim, they will say Elokeinu because it's Ra'ui for a, a Birkat Kohanim. The one exception to this is Yom Kippur, because Yom Kippur, the, um, on Yom Kippur, Mincha is not done in the uh, later afternoon. On a regular Tanit, first of all, no one's eating. Second of all, Mincha is generally done later. So no one's going to, it's like Gzera Atu Gzera. No one's ever going to confuse a Tanit with a regular day. Mincha is done later, and also no one, no one eats. Yom Kippur, Mincha is done earlier because of Ni'ilah. So because Mincha is done earlier, there was a Gzera not to say Berkat Kohanim on Yom Kippur because if you say uh, on Yom Kippur Mincha, because if you say Berkat Kohanim on Yom Kippur Mincha, people might think that you could say Berkat Kohanim by a regular Mincha. Therefore, we just say Berkat Kohanim by Ne'ilah of Yom Kippur, which shows you how far, for some reason, Chazal went with this Gzera not to say Berkat Kohanim by Mincha. We'll follow this next week with the discussion of Sim Shalom, which for the same reason by Sim Shalom, the Ashkenazim have a different language for Mincha, which is Shalom Rav. Shalom Rav doesn't directly hearken back to the Sim Shalom or the Shalom of the Birkat Kohanim because there was no Birkat Kohanim. So we don't say Sim Shalom on the, on the, they wouldn't say Sim Shalom on the, on, a, on the, the Shemona Esri of Mincha because there was no Birkat Kohanim before it. Okay, so I think for We'll end there with Bikat Kwanim. If anybody has any questions, hopefully I'll know something about the answer. But thanks for, for sitting through all of this.